I want you to play it when I walk up. And then the next thing you know, everybody has theme music. I started a trend. <laughs> Is, well, yeah, somebody's got to do it, right? Right. All right. So today, wow, there's a lot of noise out there. Today is a good day, right? Praise the Lord. Today is a day to be thankful for. Today is a day to be counted as one of our blessings because we get to spend time in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. We get an opportunity to sit together and to read his word and to grow stronger in relationship with one another. How many times have you heard me pray, thankful that we get the opportunity to grow in relationship? And we would count those as blessings. Would you agree? I talked earlier about the fact that I got a new vehicle. I truly am blessed. God has taken care of me in this way. I have a great job. Well, I work for the IRS. Whatever. I have a job, right? So if I were to sit here and I would ask you to count your blessings... If I were to question you as to what those were, what would you say? What types of things would come to mind? What type of inventory would you be going through in your head right now? How many of you would say family? Right? How many of you say, would say friends? Uh, how many of you would be thankful for your job? Or your retirement from said job? Looking at you guys. Right? Paul's looking forward to retirement. All right. How many of you would be thankful that you have a place to live? Be thankful that you have money? How many of you would be thankful that you have a car? Right? Oftentimes, Oftentimes, we find ourselves counting our blessings and we thank God for like our supportive spouse, the miracle of childbirth, uh, the fact that we have children or we know children, we thank him for our financial stability, we thank him for our warm house, we thank him for all the wonderful blessings that have led to us living a somewhat comfortable life, especially here in America. Um, now, what if I were to ask you how all of those things have brought you closer to God? How would you respond to that? In those moments when you're comfortable and you think about all of those blessings that you have, I want you to think about how much of really there is a, a need for your reliance on God in those moments, right? Because quite honestly, some of us can become very comfortable in the things that we have. We can become lackadaisical in regards to when we're going through financial success. I really need God to have my back. When the job's going great, I really need God's help to walk with me through this. When I'm living comfortably in my house that I've had for years, or I'm living comfortably in the, the, the house that I rent for years, I can rest comfortably and assured, and I can walk with God as he helps me through this blessing. How do those things 
grow your relationship with God? Do you even think with that type of perspective? A better question would be, how would you respond if I asked what you were grateful for, and what if your response was about the most painful experiences you've ever experienced in your life? If I ask you the top things you were grateful for, how many of you would count your blessings talking about the fact that you're sick? How many of you would count your blessings talking about the fact that you have a terminal illness? Or talking about the fact that you have a body that is breaking down just because of overuse? How many of you praise God for your hips and your knees that give out on a regular basis? Or your shoulders? How many of you praise God because your, your vision just isn't what it used to be? You know, 14 years ago for my birthday, I got glasses. Praise God. You no longer have to deal with me squinting at you because I can't see you. How many of you are praising God because your car broke down? Or praising God because you experienced a natural disaster? How many of you are praising God because you're struggling with debt? You're struggling to pay your bills? How many of you are praising God because you're struggling to have enough food to eat? How many of you are praising God because you're not allowed to have a Bible? See, we rarely think about the difficulties in our lives, the trials and the tribulations as blessings until it's an afterthought. And we think about those things as a blessing, as an opportunity for growth, not during in the midst of those trials. We don't think about what a blessing it is to be cursed this way. We don't think of what a blessing it is to oh, sit beside a road scraping your boils with a broken pot. Yes, we're reading through Job. We don't think about what a blessing it is to have lost family members. To experience that pain and suffering. If you were to look back on your most recent trial, I don't know what it is. I'm not going to compare trials or anything. Mine, obviously, was the fact that my car broke down. Pretty trivial. Pretty first world, first world of me, right? Hallelujah. My car broke down. Oh, that's such a burden. Look back on your most recent trial and consider how those blessings have grown your faith in God. How those blessings have helped you to rely more on your Heavenly Father for your everyday life. How those things have added to your inventory that you have. See, we're actually given a little bit of a guide if you look in Romans 5, in Romans 5, starting in verse 3, it says, We can rejoice too 
when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us to develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill us or fill our hearts with his love. Who was Romans written by? You don't need to raise your hand in church. You just call it out. We have this discussion during Bible study too. Just call out the answer if you know. It was Paul, right? And Paul lived the most trouble-free life out of anyone that we've read about. You see, Paul reminds the, that we should exclaim these sufferings, these trials. We should exclaim about their greatness in our lives because they help to shape uh, who it is that we are. They shape our character and ultimately give us hope. It makes us more like Christ because we learn more and more to rely on our Heavenly Father and to seek his will. Paul, who lived a life free from any type of strife, gives us shorts of examples, uh, a little bit short example here, of how worry-free his life was. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 22, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder. I've been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, and once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities and in the desert and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long. I have endured many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then, besides all of this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my feeling that weakness? Who is led astray and I do not burn with anger? If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. God the Father of our Lord Jesus, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows I am not lying. When I was in Damascus, the governor under King Aretas kept guards at the city gates to catch me. I had to be lowered in a basket through the window in the city wall to escape him. That's just a brief example of some of the suffering that he endured. So Paul had been in prison. He had been flogged. Uh, He'd been exposed to death again and again, lashed by the Jews five times, beaten with rods three times, pelted with stones, shipwrecked three times, 
He was always on the move, never safe from nature or bandits, from Jews or Gentiles, from the city or the country. He knew what it was like to be hungry. He knew what it was like to be thirsty, cold, and naked. And even in the midst of these trials, while in prison, Paul wrote a letter, a letter to the church of Philippi, and he encouraged them in their faith. You can see in Olympian, uh, Philippians, Philippians 4.4, 4, he encourages them, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Paul understood what it meant to suffer. Yet, in the midst of his suffering, not at the end of it, in the midst of it, not only did he hold on to his belief, but he knew that it spoke a testimony to who God was. In addition to this, Paul was also given a thorn in his flesh to remind him of his dependency on the Lord. He pleaded with the Lord to remove it, and yet it remained. That's in 2 Corinthians 12, 8. The Lord responded, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. We can actually get some good advice even outside of the Bible. How many of you are familiar with the author Daniel Defoe? No? Ever heard of Robinson Crusoe? Right? Good. That's great, Tiffany, actually. It's really good. Y'all should read. The first thing that Crusoe did when he found himself on the deserted island was to make out a list. And on one side of the list, he wrote down his problems. On the other side, he wrote down his blessings. So on one side, he wrote down, I don't have any clothes. On the other side, he wrote down, it is warm, and I will not need them. On one side, he wrote, all the provisions are lost. And on the other side, he wrote, but there is plenty of fresh fruit and water on the island. And as he continued on down his list, he discovered that for every negative aspect of his situation, there was a positive aspect that negated it. There was always something to be thankful for. It's a concept that we often throw to the wayside and we don't think about, except in post. It is time that we sit down and we take inventory of what God has given us. But you need to make sure that as you take this inventory of what God has given you, if you look at these blessings, you do it with a whole picture. You don't do it with a narrow lens. You put on the right glasses, as it were. We need to add a better lens and look at everything that we've gone through, nay, even those things that we're going through. We're blessed with many things, and we've been given these things in the midst of trials. We've been given these things at the end of trials, and we've also been given things without too much trial. We must lose the mindset of believing only in those things that are supposedly good. 
those things that make us comfortable, as we examine our inventory of what it is that we have. And I'm not here to try to convince you today that you need to look for, you know, a little nugget of blessing. That's not what I'm trying to get across today. I'm here to tell you that without a shadow of a doubt, you're being blessed right this very second. Without a shadow of a doubt, even in the midst of your worst trial, where you're knocked down, you're stressed out, you're worried, you're anxious, you're filled with fear and turmoil, you are being blessed with the opportunity to have your faith in God strengthened to become perseverance so that you may become, as it says in James, perfect and complete, not lacking in anything. You have to change your mindset to become one of realizing that God is in control every step of the way. Not just after the trials are over, not just when things are comfortable and peaceful, every step of the way. It is good to take opportunity to think about what you have been given. It is great. And for some reason, we do it maybe two times a year. In general, Thanksgiving, we take opportunity to give thanks for what he has done. And we say things like, I just want to say how thankful I am for my family. I want to say how thankful I am that you know, I've made it through this year and that people have supported me. And I'm thankful for all of you because you've been part of my life. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. I'm thankful for those things. I love those things. But we also need to be thankful for that time when we lost a dear friend. That time when we dealt with illness. That time when we continue to deal with illness. We need to be thankful in those moments that are most filled with strife. That's why James says to find joy in those things. You can't find joy in those things if you're focused on those things. Because what you're trying to find joy in is actually your relationship with God, which doesn't change. In fact, if anything, it becomes stronger in those times. So while I'm not here to convince you to find that little nugget, that little blessing, that little thing that adds to your inventory when you're in the midst of trials, I am here to tell you that you have to recognize it. You have to look of it, and you have to account it to your register. You have to know that those times when you're worried about making rent, putting food on your table, getting to the job so you don't lose it, even getting a job is the time that you're being blessed the most. I think back to 14 years ago, almost 15, right? 
15 years ago, I started out the year on a great note, sarcasm included. Because in January, 15 years ago, I got fired from my job of eight years. Praise God. Praise God there was a jar of expired mayonnaise on a shelf. If you want the full story, I'll give it to you some other time. But because of that jar of mayonnaise, I became unemployed. Because nobody in Portland wanted a man with eight years of retail management experience, I had no job. I got no callbacks from applications, and applications were literally lost. Best Buy lost my application three times. Apparently, I'm not supposed to work there. But because of that opportunity, I had the opportunity to build a stronger relationship with my landlord. In fact, if it wasn't for my landlord, well, I know this seems kind of weird to say, but I would have been homeless. But my landlord took me, I know, right? Well, it's my landlord. That's a very pretty picture. Because it's my landlord, but they let me work on their other rental properties to use skills that I hadn't utilized in years. This also led to other work as a general contractor, doing things and learning skills that have been put to work here in this very building. You need a hole in the wall? I know the right way to do it. I can also patch the hole later on. It stretched me in ways I can't even fathom. It strengthened my relationship with my wife. It led me to work at the Internal Revenue Service. All with the goal of helping you march forth with your taxes at tax day. 6.30 to 9 p.m. Shameless plug. That time being unemployed with a family, very difficult for me. But it was a time when I came to rely on him more than I ever had before. I actually spent very little time worried about my future. I even took a vacation in the midst of that. And that meant that I didn't get any unemployment for that week. But I wasn't worried about that because I was doing what needed to be done and what was necessary. In the midst of that trouble and strife, I was blessed incredibly. And I came to realize that that happens every time I go through trial and that I can trust in God and I would be taken care of. So that means that I don't stress out about those things anymore. And I've grown stronger. and My faith has become more complete. But there's a warning that comes with this, guys. There's a warning with coming, you know, taking that opportunity to think about what you're going through, to count all of those blessings. There's a, there's a caveat that goes with that. Because oftentimes, 
when the world talks about counting about their blessings, they only do it for the purpose of comparison. Right? Somebody, somebody gets hit by a, a tidal wave half the world away. Oh, I'm so blessed that I wasn't there. I'm so blessed that I'm not, uh, I wasn't in Taiwan and I didn't get hit by that typhoon and the tidal wave. Um, I'm so thankful that I'm not them, right? That I'm not going through what they're going through. A few examples. Uh, if you have food in the refrigerator, clothes on your back, and a roof overhead, a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of this world. Oh, you're, you're so blessed. If you have money in the bank and in your wallet and spare change in a dish, you're among the top 8% of the world's wealthy. Hmm. If you watch this sermon on your computer, you are part of the 1% of the world that has this opportunity. And you can do that right after service. It'll be available just like that. If you can attend church without fear of harassment, arrest, torture, or death, you are envied by and more blessed than three billion people in the world. When you utter that phrase, I'm so glad I'm not them, be warned. You need to keep your attitude in check. The purpose of counting your blessings is not comparison. The purpose of recounting your trials and how you have grown through them and how it's added to your inventory is not so you can say, I am better than you. Do not fall into the trap of this type of comparison. In fact, Jesus himself speaks in Luke chapter 18 verses 9 through 14, about this very thing. Starting in verse 9, he says, Then Jesus told a story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. Those tax collectors, I tell you what. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank God I'm not like the other people, the cheaters, the sinners, the adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you that this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exhausted. Exalted, pardon me. Probably a little exhausted, too. See, in this parable, Jesus makes it clear that the attitude of God, I thank you, that I am not like these other people, is not the path to spiritual maturity. Just feeling more blessed that we're not someone else is not sufficient, it's not satisfying, and it's not a holistic, God-centered life. You're trying to meld too much of the life before you died and were born again with your current existence. 
So be careful. Be warned. See, today I'm asking you to start to take inventory of what it is that you have. How has God blessed you? And you have to widen that lens so it's not just what has happened that has made me comfortable. What has God gifted me with that makes me feel like life is a breeze? You have to include those trials that you're experiencing right now, those trials that you have been through. When you take inventory, you have to think about the illnesses, the deaths, the discouragements, the stresses, the pitfalls in life. If you're not counting those things, you're missing something. Now, today is not a full account of what you should be looking at with that lens, but it starts to expand that a little bit bigger so that you have a better understanding. And next week, we'll expand that lens even more. But take note and properly thank God today for what he has given you. You have to, to understand how you've been equipped. To better know what you have. As Josh said last week, this year is about sacrifice. And it seems weird to talk about sacrifice and then for me to stand up here and say, hey, think about how you've been blessed. Think about how you've been blessed when things are good. Think about how you've been blessed when things are bad. But if you don't take a proper inventory of everything that God has given to you, how can you properly give sacrifice? How do you know what to give? So we're going to take opportunity now. We're going to take about 20 minutes in cell group to think about what it is we have to count our blessings and I'm going to start you out with these three questions. The first question is for self-reflection. What do you usually thank God for? What do you usually thank God for? It's a pretty easy question. The second question is, how have your trials blessed you? So it is an opportunity for you to take account of the things that you've gone through and what you have gained from them. And then it is always good to share what trials are you struggling through now. See, one of the things that you would have experienced through many of these trials is that you're not alone. So take opportunity to share what it is that you're going through now so that you don't have to feel like you're walking alone, because you're not. So take opportunity to do that now, and then come back in about 20 minutes, and we'll close up for the day.